This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We're living in the end times. The world is falling apart. Natural disasters, disease, suicide, war. When we see all of these things, the natural response is fear. But should we fear these things that are happening? Is there any way to avoid it? Today, I'm discussing the answer to these questions. I'm answering your questions such as, is the government controlling the weather? Subscribe to endtimes.com to find out what's happening in the world. It's truly shocking. I'm Jimmy Evans. Welcome to The Tipping Point. Welcome to The Tipping Point Show. I'm Jimmy Evans. I have a special program for you today. I'm teaching today on God's peace, and I'm also answering questions from subscribers. And so this is going to be a good show. This is a two-part teaching now. And so next week I'll finish this teaching, but this teaching is called The Promise of Peace. In the days that we're living in, uh, peace is one of the greatest gifts. It's one of the greatest treasures that we have. And it's something that's very elusive for a lot of people. There was a a poll done, a report done in the Christian Post. 70% of Protestant pastors said that there is increased fear in their congregation about the future of America and the future of the world. 70% of believers, 70% of churches, the pastor says there's more fear. And, you know, pastors know their congregants and the the congregation is just saying, I'm worried. And and people are worried. And when you see what's going on in the world right now, I mean, there is a tremendous amount of fear. Here's what Jesus said, by the way, about the last days. This is Luke 21 beginning in verse 25, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. That means there's no answer. This is what's happening right now. The sea and the waves roaring. Now, that can also mean, you know, the climate, you know, and just the weather, but it also the sea and the waves in the Bible speaks of people, the nations of the world, unrest of the nations of the world. Listen to this sentence. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's talking about spiritual demonic powers. Then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. That's why I wrote my book, Look Up, because we're seeing all those things happening right now. Men's hearts failing them from the word there is phobos in the Greek. The Bible was the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The word phobos, where we get our word phobia, it means fear and terror. It means because of the fear, the increased fear and terror in the world, men's hearts will be failing them. That's happening all over the world right now. Some people say it's, you know, linked to COVID or something, but but also it's just the anxiety in the world right now. There's an epidemic of suicide, an epidemic of depression, uh, an epidemic of heart problems and health problems that people are having. Because when you're under stress, when you're under fear, It affects everything. It affects you mentally, emotionally. It affects your relationships. It affects your health, everything. And so I want to talk to you about peace because peace is what Jesus has promised us in our lives. It's a a special end time promise that Jesus gave to us. Now, the devil's kingdom is a kingdom of fear. If you ever hear like Billy Crone when he's on the show, he was a Satanist. He was a New Ager. 
And he said he lived in the most incredible fear that you can possibly imagine. It's one of the reasons he turned to Jesus. Satan's kingdom is a kingdom of fear. God's kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 15 says, now may the God of hope fill you with all peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those kinds of things. Isaiah 9.6 calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. Hebrews 6.20, it says, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That's talking about Jesus being a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. The word Melchizedek means King of Peace. As much as you know the presence of Satan by fear, you know the presence of God by peace. I hope, you, I hope you hear what I'm saying. If you're living, if you're a believer and you're living in anxiety, I want to know, I want you to know that Jesus has a gift for you and it's the gift of peace. It's his gift, it's his promise to every believer, but Satan battles us for our peace, especially in the days that we're living in. If we have it, he wants to take it away. And if we don't have it, he wants to keep it from us. And in this teaching today and also next week, I'm going to tell you how you can live every second of your life in the peace of God. Absolutely, wherever you came from. And by the way, in my past, and I'll share some of my testimony here, I lived many years of my life as a believer and even as a pastor in anxiety and all kinds of just, you know, not in peace, let me put it that way. I would have moments of peace, but I was very, very anxious. I had physical problems because of it, all kinds of issues because of that. I live in the peace of God today in my life for, for decades. I live in the peace of God. I sleep like a baby at night. I rest. I don't worry. You don't have to. And so Jesus in John 14, uh, he, he was telling the disciples, you know, in, in my father's house, there's many mansions. I'm going away. And as certainly as I go away, I'm going to come back to receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. That's John 14. Listen, listen to Jesus promise in John 14, because he's saying, I'm going away. And I'm going to come back. Listen to his promise, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I am. Listen to the promise. Peace I'm leaving with you. My peace I'm giving to you. Now, there, there's a peace in the world that is very different from Jesus' peace. Jesus' peace is an abiding internal, trans-circumstantial trans sense of tranquility and well-being that's easy to get and hard to lose. In other words, when you're, when you're under God's peace, you could be going through the hardest thing you've ever gone through, and you have peace. You don't know why you have so much peace, but you just have peace. The world's peace is a fragile, elusive, and circumstantial, 100% circumstantial sense of tranquility, tranquility and well-being. And see, the world's peace, they get in you know, through uh, abusing alcohol, abusing drugs, through sex, through wh what, whatever it is. And, and, and I'm, I'm not criticizing that because I understand it. I understand medicating because you're so anxious and, and you know, all those kinds of things. But what I'm saying is it's a cheap substitute for the true peace of Jesus Christ. When you're living in the peace of God, it is absolutely profound. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the show today. I want to ask you to consider helping us financially to support this ministry, to expand this ministry. I ask you 
to help us, and many of you did help us financially. We were able to hire an Israel correspondent, uh, Brian Schrager, who's been fantastic. We want to continue to expand this ministry. We want to continue to take this message of Jesus and end-time prophecy to people all around the world. Millions of people watch us right now, but we need your support to be able to grow this ministry. If this has touched you, if this has been a blessing to you, would you help us reach more people? Go to give.endtimes.com. You can give a one-time gift. Nothing's too small, nothing's too large. Some of you may have been blessed. You have the opportunity to really be a blessing to other people. I'm asking you to consider giving your most generous gift. You can also give a recurring gift. You can make it a monthly gift, which is a huge blessing to us as a ministry, just to know that that money is going to come in every month to help us to expand and to do everything that we're doing right now. For all of you who have supported us, I want to say thank you for all that you've helped us to do, to go around the world encouraging people about the times we're living in, sharing end-time prophecy, and sharing Jesus. And I'm asking you to consider, those of you who have and those of you who haven't, please consider giving your most generous gift right now. Give.endtimes.com, and you can give your most generous gift there. And listen, if you're not subscribed to this channel on YouTube, be sure and hit the subscribe button. Also, the like button. Subscribe means you're going to get everything that we come out with here on YouTube. The like button means other people are going to find out about it. So if you would, take just a minute, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. God bless you. In this message today, I want to begin by talking about the importance of walking in the peace of God. Why is the peace of God so important? Number one is peace is how God guides us. Peace is one of the most important navigational instruments in our lives. This is Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The word rule there is the Greek word brabuo. It means umpire. It means situational guidance. Okay, let me, let me give you an example of this. So you're making a decision. Well, if you're making a decision and the Bible says to do something, do it. That's, that's easy. If the Bible says don't do something, don't do it. Now, that's easy, you know, do what the Bible says, don't do what the Bible doesn't say. But what about the thousands and thousands of decisions that we make that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about? The Bible doesn't tell us which car to buy. I mean, it gives us financial principles, and we know not to go get ourselves in, in binding debt and things like that. It doesn't tell us what house to buy. It doesn't tell us what major to take in college. It doesn't tell us where to send our kids to school. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't tell us who to marry. It gives us principles of who we marry. It doesn't tell us the person that, who, who, who we're supposed to marry. There are thousands and thousands of decisions that we make in our lives that are circumstantial that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about. In other words, it, it could be this or this or this. So my question is, when we're making situational decisions, does God just leave us on our own? And sometimes it's just, you know, for, for everyday decisions, you know, it's, sometimes it's just a matter of learning something or, you know, wisdom or, you know, good judgment, things like that. But what about those critical decisions that we make that are very critical about where we send our kids to school and who we marry and the major we take in college and the house we buy and the job we take and do we move here or do I move here? All those kinds of decisions that are very, very, uh, you know, there's, there's a consequence to it. It is consequential decisions. How about those kinds of decisions? God is there to help us make those decisions. Now, sometimes the Lord can speak to us. If you're a married person, you want to make sure that both of you are hearing God. With my wife, Karen and I, we have made thousands of decisions as a couple simply by using God's peace. And we'll pray about something. Now, again, if the Bible says it, do it. If the Bible says don't do it, don't do it. That's, that's easy. Okay. Sometimes you need to get counseling. Sometimes you need to get outside counsel and things like that. That's wisdom. But we have made thousands of decisions. We've been married 50 years. 
So we've been, we've been, we've made thousands of decisions using God's peace and never made a mistake. Now, now when I say we use God's peace, sometimes I'll have a peace and Karen won't. Sometimes Karen has peace and I don't. We don't make a decision unless both of us have peace. We don't bully each other. We don't shame each other. You know, we say, well, you're not feeling peace because you're not as close to God as me. We don't do that. Okay, we don't judge each other because we love each other and we're both uh, looking out for our best interest and we want to do what God wants us to do. So we pray about something. The peace of God is tangible. You can feel the peace of God. Sometimes everything, you're making a decision, everything looks right. You just don't feel peace, you know, for whatever reason. That's God saying no. Sometimes, you know, everything looks wrong, but you have a peace about it. In other words, it doesn't all look right, but you have a peace about it. That's God saying yes. Sometimes when God doesn't give you peace, he's not necessarily saying no, he's just saying not now. But I'm saying I've never made a mistake when I sensed the peace of God, Karen and I sensed the peace of God, and we made a decision or didn't make a decision. We've never regretted it. We've never made a decision and said, oh, that was the wrong thing. That was a, that was a nightmare. And so in the Old Testament, there, in the Old Testament, there are types and shadows. There's this saying that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And the things that the book of Corinthians tells us, the things that happened to Israel happened for our instruction. And so in the Old Testament, the high priest had a breastplate that had 12 stones on it that represented the children of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. And behind that breastpiece were the Urim and the Tumim. Now that's plural. Urim and Tumim. Urim means light or fire. And Tumim means standard or perfection. Now it's a very mysterious thing. Numbers 27, the MI7, there's different places in the Old Testament that refer to the Urim and the Tumim. Well, it was in a pouch. The high priest couldn't see it. He could just feel it. It was in a pouch behind the breastpiece. And they would consult the Urim and Tumim. Now what I'm about to say to you, this is my opinion on how the Urim and Tumim operated, but it says they would consult, the high priest would consult the Urim and the Tumim. Do we go to war against the Philistines? Do we do this? Do we do this? So remember, Urim means light or fire. Tumim means standard or perfection. This is my opinion. I believe when the high priest would ask that question of the Lord, the, if, if the Lord were saying yes, the Urim would heat up and the Tumim would stand up and he could feel it. He would think, yeah, the Lord's saying yes. If, if the Lord were saying no, he didn't feel anything. The Urim didn't heat up and the Tumim didn't stand up. That's exactly the way the peace of God works in our lives today. I believe that was an Old Testament pattern of a New Testament truth. See, uh, my point here is why is the peace of God so important in our lives? It's because it's a navigational instrument that God uses to, to lead us. So if I'm living in anxiety, which I did for many years, if, if I'm living in anxiety, if I'm not living in the peace of God, I'm making bad decisions constantly because I'm making a lot of fear-based decisions. And God, God, God honors faith. God doesn't honor fear. And so when we step out in faith, now I'm, I'm not saying I never feel any twinge of you know, concern or anxiety or anything like that. I may for a few minutes. I just don't live that way. If, if I begin to feel that way, I know I need to get closer to God. And again, next week, I'm going to answer a lot of the question of the how-tos of how to live in the peace of God. This, this program is just simply on the, the promise of God's peace in our lives and the importance of it. And number one, it's how God guides us. If you've never consulted God's peace, when you're making a decision, just slow down and go before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm about to buy a car. I'm about to make a, a change in my job. We're about to make an investment. And Lord, we, we submit this to you. I submit this to you and I pray that you'll give me your peace if you want me to do this. 
if you don't, if you don't give me peace, I'm not going to do it. And you begin to do that. You begin to learn how to do that. It's profound. God loves you. He's with you. He doesn't leave you on your own to make decisions. He wants to be there with you as your shepherd and as your father to lead you through all your circumstantial decisions. And again, let me say, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you're choosing bleach or something like that, just do, do your homework and get the best you can get. But when you're making these, the, you know, the, the decisions that they're, there's going to be a, a consequence to them is that a, a big decision, an important decision, wait on God, and he wants to lead you with his peace. Number two, why is the peace of God so important? This is huge. Peace is how God protects our minds and our hearts against Satan's attacks of fear and anxiety. Okay, this is Philippians 4. It says, beginning in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, this is such an incredibly powerful scripture. Be anxious for nothing. Did you know that anxiety is not a condition, it's a choice? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And, and now if someone would have said that to me 40 years ago, I'd have probably got mad at them because I thought, well, you, you don't, you're not walking in my shoes. Well, I have walked in those shoes. And um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything pray. It is you were anxious because we don't pray. It, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, that just means prayer, reading the word, worshiping, prayer and more prayer. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, it means our attitude is one of faith, of thanking God for all the good things in our lives, and also thanking Him that He's a good Father, He's listening, and He's going to answer our prayers. We have an attitude of faith with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all comprehension, what does that mean? It means you can't figure out why you have so much peace. In the natural, you shouldn't have peace. People in without Jesus that had your circumstances wouldn't have any peace, but you have peace. It passes. I don't understand all the peace that I have. It says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart, your emotions, and your mind, your your intellect. Okay, the word guard there is the Greek word phureo, and it means to protect by a military guard to prevent a hostile invasion. To protect by a military guard to prevent a hostile invasion. So you're not praying, you're worrying, you're making fear-based decisions and they just keep compounding on themselves and everything keeps getting worse. And you're thinking, God, where are you? Well, he's right there, okay, he's right there. And God's not the problem, God's the solution. And the issue is we're just not praying. We're not, we're not trusting God. I went to the skin doctor one time. I'm going to tell you the story. So you understand, I'm not talking down to anybody. I'm sharing from where I was in my life to where I am today and the wonderful gift of peace that God has given to all of us. I lived in anxiety for so many years. And I went to the skin doctor one day. I had some kind of a rash on my skin. I went to the skin doctor and he came in the room and, um, and he looked at my skin and he said, okay. He said, my nurse will be back here in just a minute. So he left the room, his nurse came in and she put a, a cassette player on the counter. That's how long ago this was. 
a cassette player on the counter and she pushed play. And she said, the doctor wants you to listen to this. And so it was a, it was a, a tape on anxiety, how to deal with anxiety. And so the tape finished, it was about a 10 minute tape. And it was saying, when you feel anxious, do this and this. And it wasn't a Christian tape, it was just a secular tape, but here's how you can you know, reduce your stress and all that kind of stuff. Well, the tape finished and I, I was expecting a shot or some medicine or something. I didn't want a lecture. And I, finally, no one came back in the room, so I just went out to the, you know, the nurse's station outside. And I said, is the doctor gonna give me some medicine? She said, no, he just wanted you to hear that, uh, that tape. Well, I just, I was just, I was embarrassed, first of all. I was angry, because I just thought, hey, give me some cream or give me a shot or something. But that wasn't the problem. I didn't have a medical problem. I had a medical manifestation of an emotional problem. As a believer, I, I wasn't trusting God. I wasn't, I wasn't taking this to the Lord and trusting him. And so there are demons. The, the, the devil hates us. It doesn't mean we're demon possessed. It just means the devil hates our guts and he wants to rob us of our peace. He, he wanted me to live my life in anxiety and I was. And it had manifestations. It manifests in your relationships and your marriage in everything. Uh, and when I began to pray, when I began to pray and truly trust in the Lord, that's when I began to experience the peace that passes understanding. It, it dramatically changed my life. Don't be anxious, and I'm saying this to you. So let me say this. So here's, here's one way to live in peace. Wake up in the morning and write down on a piece of paper, if you remember paper, or you can write, write on a computer, whatever, write down everything you're worried about. And then after you've written down everything you're worried about, at the top of that, just write down prayer list. That's your prayer list. Don't be anxious for those things, pray. Pray and trust God with all those things. Pray until you get God's peace. We wanna to continue to expand this ministry. We want to continue to take this message of Jesus and end time prophecy to people all around the world. Millions of people watch us right now, but we need your support to be able to grow this ministry. If this has touched you, if this has been a blessing to you, would you help us reach more people? Go to give.endtimes.com. You can give a one-time gift. Nothing's too small, nothing's too large. Some of you may have been blessed. You have the opportunity to really be a blessing to other people. I'm asking you to consider giving your most generous gift. You can also give a recurring gift. You can make it a monthly gift, which is a huge blessing to us as a ministry, just to know that that money is going to come in every month to help us to expand and to do everything that we're doing right now. For all of you who have supported us, I want to say thank you for all that you've helped us to do, to go around the world encouraging people about the times we're living in, sharing end-time prophecy, and sharing Jesus. And I'm asking you to consider, those of you who have and those of you who haven't, please consider giving your most generous gift right now. Give.endtimes.com, and you can give your most generous gift there. Here's the third reason that peace is so important in our lives. It's the foundation of our witness for Christ. The Ephesians 6.15 says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the gospel of peace, God making peace with other people. Well, so the, the, that means that, you know, as, a, as a, one of the purposes of our lives, one of the main purposes of our lives is to share the gospel. You realize that everything we do, we can do better in heaven, except sharing the gospel with lost people. Everything we do, we can do better in heaven. But it's the gospel of peace. Let me say this. If we're not at peace with God, we're not attractive to other people. If, in other words, if I'm living my life in anxiety and fear and I'm all torn up, what, I don't want a nervous person telling me about Jesus. 
And so the gospel, the gospel of peace, if I'm not a, at peace, I have no good news to share with somebody else. I mean, I could just tell them about Jesus and all that, but why would a person want what we have if we have the same thing they have, with anxiety and fear? When we're at peace, we're attractive to other people. They want what we have. They're trying to find it in sex and drugs and alcohol and you know all the sin that they're doing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're looking for true peace. They're getting a cheap substitute. We have the real thing. The other thing about peace is when we don't have peace, we're really not thinking about other people. You know, when I'm, when I'm all upset and torn up about all these things in my life, I'm not, people in the hospital are not writing get well cards to other people. People in the hospital are thinking about themselves and getting well. When we're all torn up and nervous and anxious, we're not thinking about other people. We're thinking about ourselves. We're worried about our own situation. When we're at peace with God, that's when we begin to look across the fence and see a person that doesn't have the peace of Jesus. And we shot, shot our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace so that we can give peace to somebody else, the peace with God, but also peace in this life. It's a, it's a precious commodity. And there's one other thing about peace that I want to say in this teaching. And again, I'm going to pick up here next week. And that's, it's the purpose of our ministry and our influence. Listen, listen to what Jesus said. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. There's troublemakers, and there's peacemakers. Believers should be peacemakers wherever we go. Luke chapter 10, Jesus says, that. now this is, this is kind of a strange scripture. And I'm not going to pretend as though I completely understand this. But it, Luke 10 says, Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money back, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Now, that's a funny, I mean, if a son of peace is there, when you, before you enter a house, speak peace to that house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on that house. If not, it will return to you. That's, that's a, it's a powerful thing that we are couriers of God's peace and we're able to extend that peace. That's what God wants for us. This is Mark chapter 4. Listen to this story. I, don't, I know you've heard this story before. Listen, listen to this story and I'll put it in context. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm uh, arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So they're on, they're on the Sea of Galilee. They're on this larger boat. They have smaller boats around them. Jesus goes to sleep. I mean, Jesus had been ministering. He was tired. He went to sleep. And then the storm arose. Jesus didn't wake up. The storm did not wake Jesus up. Jesus wasn't afraid of drowning. He knew who he was. He knew what God had called him to do. He didn't live in fear. But the disciples were screaming like a bunch of little girls up on the deck. And they came and woke Jesus up and said, don't you care that we're perishing? Now, Jesus woke up, stood on the deck and said, peace. He spoke peace to the sea and it became still. So why couldn't the disciples speak peace to the sea and Jesus could? It's because when Jesus spoke, the sea looked like his heart. It was calm. But the disciples couldn't do that because the sea looked like their hearts. It was troubled. Everything around you is going to take on your inner nature. When, you're, when the sea of your heart 
is all troubled. Your marriage is going to be troubled. Your children are going to be troubled. Your relationships are going to be troubled. Your finances are going to be troubled. Everything in your life is going to take on your inner nature. But when you're at peace, you become a peacemaker. You, you become attractive to the people around you when you're at peace. This is, this is some of the reasons, these are some of the reasons why living in the peace of God is so important. I'm, I'm going to begin to answer questions here in just a minute. I've got some questions from, from you guys. I want, but I, before I answer questions, let me pray for you. Father, I speak peace over every man, woman, child listening to my voice right now. And I pray, Lord, we come to you and we just say, Jesus, thank you for the promise of peace in the days that we're living in. Your peace is not circumstantial. It doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. It just matters that you're in our lives. And rather than putting our, life, our eyes on the problem, on the mountain, on the giant, on the need, we put our eyes on you. And we make a decision not to be anxious for anything, but in everything to trust in you. In Jesus, I pray for your promise of peace to manifest itself in our lives. I pray for physical issues to be healed, emotional issues to be healed, mental issues to be healed, relational issues to be healed. And Lord, we pray that you'll use your peace to guide us throughout our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to answer some questions from uh, you guys. And so this is from Sarah. Sarah says, I have a friend, a believer, who thinks the government is making hurricanes and earthquakes happen. I have told her man does not have that power. She believes that chemtrails are causing tornadoes and bad weather. Could what she is saying be true? How should I respond? Well, I, there are people in my family that believe that. I have people in my family that, that believe that the government is putting stuff up in the air. Now, according to Scientific American magazine, in March of 2021, they reported that eight states were using a cloud seeding to enhance rain and snow. Now, the Biden administration, by the way, they uh, support blocking the sun to stop what they say, what they believe is global warming. Now, I don't know how in the world they would do that. And I think the dumbest thing in the world is for the government to start doing stuff like that. But, but I, there are people that believe that. And so I don't know what to do about it, but you know, the, my family members that believe that, they say, we're, we see it up in the sky. And we, we can tell that there's chemtrails and all this stuff going on. I don't know uh, that it, it's, a, it's a theory at this point, but it's something that, you know, the, the eight states are doing cloud seeding. And so they may have some technology that they're, you know, trying to produce tornadoes. I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that man isn't powerful enough to cause tornadoes and hurricanes and stuff like that. But who knows? Who, know, who knows what technology is out there that we don't know about? Uh, Rachel asks, how do you know there's perfect health in heaven? Great question. Uh, this is Revelation 21. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from his eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. This is Revelation 22. There shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Sickness is a curse. There'll be no more curse. Sickness, sickness is a massive curse. Adam and Eve had provisional immortality, which means if they wouldn't have sinned, they would still be alive today, and they wouldn't have aged a second and would have never been sick. And so when sin came into the human race, the curse of sickness came on the human race. When Jesus comes, the curse is removed. There is no sickness, there's no, there's no more pain, there's no more death, there's no more curse. And so we're absolutely 100% certain 
that there's no sickness in heaven. This is Roxanne. My bank is going digital. Should I stay there or go somewhere else? Does it even matter? I, I think it matters a lot. Um, the, uh, I heard, uh, I saw a report that Canada was denying cash to some of their clients, some of their customers, and the customers were causing a stink about it. I think that's one of the scariest things that can happen is the government controls all of the currency. Now, most, most of the economy right now, I don't know what the percentage is, but probably 97% of the economy right now is electronic and not cash. But cash is an option, and that's very important. See, when, when the Antichrist in Revelation 13, when the Antichrist is ruling the world, you can't buy or sell without, without uh, the mark on your hand or on your forehead. Revelation 14 tells us if you take the mark on your hand or forehead, you can't be forgiven. It's an unforgivable sin. And so the, we know that there's going to be a global control of the economy during the tribulation. Now, there could possibly still be cash because right now the point of sale technology is so effective that, um, you know, they, they can track everything, you know, through point of sale technology or keep someone from buying or selling if they didn't have the mark. But this digital currency puts the government with tremendous uh, power over our lives, in which this, they, they can wipe us out with a keystroke. If, if we didn't believe what they want us to believe, this is the Antichrist system. The Antichrist system is in place right now. It's just not as sophisticated as it will be during the tribulation. The Antichrist system, this system of global control is, is in place right now. I'm gonna uh, have some people on the show in the future talking more about this, but I think it's a big deal. And if my bank right now told me uh, we're going, we're going cashless. Uh, we're going to digital currency, and you don't have the option of cash. I would change banks. I would, now, except if it becomes a mandate, if the government of the United States goes to a digital currency and all cash is wiped out. I don't think we're there. I don't think we're that close to being there right now. But you never know. But I do not like all digital currency. I think it's dangerous. I think it's part of the Antichrist system. And it will be used ultimately to control the economies of the world. So that's my answer is my bank right now, if I have a check that I want cash for, they still give me cash. And, uh, and I like that. I want that. If they took that away from me and there were options, I would change banks. I simply wouldn't bank with someone who was all digital unless that was the only option that was out there. This is Esther. When speaking of the possibility of more people in hell, then we'll be in heaven. We know that eight people's lives were saved on the ark, but don't you think that many came to repentance as the floodwaters rose, or does the Bible say they all went to hell? Let me read you a couple of scriptures and I'll tell you. First Peter chapter three, beginning with verse 18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he may bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive by the spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. This is Second Peter chapter two. If God did not spare the angels who sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. It seems to me through those scriptures that no one made it, that no one made it out. And so I, I believe based on those scriptures, it says the spirits of the disobedient that Jesus went and preached to them. And so the, uh, I believe that the, the world was corrupted. That's what uh, Genesis 6 says. The world was corrupt. In, in other words, it was uh, only Noah and his family were redeemable. 
the rest of the world, God wiped them out. And so I don't believe based on those scriptures that anyone was saved through that. This is Fred. Uh, Fred says, all during the summer, you were saying the rapture could happen during Rosh Hashanah. You talked about Israel living securely, but you never mentioned the passage where it says they will not have walls. They still have walls up and they are not at peace. It clearly says they will not have walls or gates when they are attacked. How do you reconcile that with what you were saying during the summer? Well, let me read the scripture and then I'll talk about that, Fred. Uh, Ezekiel 38 says, thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither gates nor bars, to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Now this is talking about the Gog and Magog war, a war that's going to happen soon, I believe. Uh, and it says that they come down, it's, it's, it's Russia, it's Iran, it's Turkey, it's uh, Syria, Lebanon, all these countries, uh, some North African countries that are going to be a part of it. They're all, they're all Islamic or they're all uh, together allied with Russia. So this, this, this uh, alliance exists today. And so what is interesting is it says that it's a land of, un you're going to attack a land of unwalled villages. Waste places again inhabited, people gathered from the nations, they've acquired livestock and goods, and they dwell in the midst of the land. All those things are true. And Fred, what you're saying is, because I'm saying that uh, the rapture could happen at any moment, or I'm sorry, Gog and Magog could happen at any moment, that uh, that's not true because they don't have unwalled villages, that they have walls. Well, they don't have walls, Fred. Uh, I was there last December. Uh, there is a wall in Jerusalem that divides between Jerusalem and Ramallah between Jerusalem and the West Bank. There may be a few other walls in Israel, but I've been all over Israel. And I'm just telling you, the, the cities that you go into, the towns that you go into, they don't have walls. And so let me tell you another story, and this, was, this happened last December. Uh, when you're in Israel, you feel safe. Now there's problems in Gaza, problems in uh, Lebanon, obviously problems in Syria, uh, some places in the West Bank where they've had problems in the West Bank. But let me just tell you our experience last December. Every time I'm in Israel, I feel safe. Um, you, you feel safe. You just don't feel like you're in a place that there's danger. Uh, sure, they shoot rockets from Gaza and there you know, are missiles in Lebanon that we pray that they don't shoot there because they've got so many of them and many of them are laser guided. There's tremendous problems that uh, potential in Syria of uh, Iran building their forces there on the northern border of Israel with Russia, with Turkey, uh, with Syria, all of those things. So there's potentially, you know, Iran's trying to cause as much trouble as they can possibly cause. But when you go to Israel, let me, uh, this is a story. So we were in Tiberias at the Sea of Galilee and we had been out that day looking around and so we got off our bus and I was gonna go back to the hotel and my wife Karen and my assistant Shelly, uh, they were talking to our tour guide. And there was, a, there was a shopping area about a half mile from where we were standing. And they said, hey, if we walk down the sidewalk here and turn and go down to that shopping area, are we okay? And our tour guide said, oh yeah, you're, this is Israel, you're safe. He said, this isn't America. He said, if you get robbed here, he said, you know, somebody might you know, push you around a little bit, but they're not gonna shoot you. He said, this isn't, this isn't the United States. So Israel, Israel, if you go to Israel, 
it is, it is a peaceful place. I mean, again, they've got all these dangers around them, but the Israeli Defense Forces are very powerful. They're very effective. And when there's problems on the West Bank, or there's problems in Gaza, whatever, they deal with it very, very thoroughly. And so there, we know there are wars coming. You know, they're, they're prophesied about. And the Gog and Magog War is one of them. I personally believe the conditions exist right now where they could come because Israel's not a land of walled villages. Again, there may be walls I don't know about, but I've been all over Israel. And when you drive into a town, you don't see walls. You just drive into the town. So I believe that I believe that what I'm saying is accurate. And I believe my personal belief is the Gog and Magog War will happen somewhere around the rapture because the first three and a half years of the tribulation are a time of unprecedented peace with Israel because they've made a covenant with the Antichrist. He breaks that covenant in the middle of the tribulation and the last three and a half years of the tribulation are all hell breaks loose. They're, I mean, just it's, Jesus said, unless those days have been cut short, no flesh would have survived. And Jesus is the one who called it the great tribulation. The Gog and Magog war is a war that God, that Israel's attacked and God sovereignly protects them and God sovereignly defeats all the Gog and Magog forces. That could happen, you know, during the first part of the tribulation. And there are a lot of very smart people that believe that. I personally believe the Gog and Magog war will happen somewhere around the rapture and could be the catalyst of the Antichrist covenant with Israel. That's just my personal, personal opinion. Great questions. All your questions are always great. Thank you guys for being subscribers. It's a blessing to us. Your subscription here to endtimes.com, it helps to support this ministry and helps us to grow. It also supports uh, uh, our XO Marriage Ministry. So thank you so much for being a subscriber. I'll see you next time.